welcome everybody to the unfortunately named Angry Sun Zone. <laughs> Uh, this weekend has been probably the hottest weekend in recallable memory ever. for us. Hot, like, <laughs> hottest weekend, I think, ever to, that I've been alive, to be honest. It's so hot, my sandals have become unglued. Uh, and, yeah, it's unprecedented heat calls for an unprecedented podcast. Now, that's right. I'm Santo. Uh, we got Alex with us. That's me. And we got Sean as well. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about underrated games, overrated games, and guilty pleasures. So the heat of this weekend will only be matched by the heat of these takes on on these potentially controversial games. So uh, what I did is that I went through uh, a bunch of online top 10s, top 20s, top 50s on different overrated and underrated games. And there were a few games that kept popping up on these lists that I thought we should talk about as, you know, the general consensus. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to have a quick aside to the people that are writing these lists. A, pretty much all of the examples, with very few exception, came from like the 360 era onwards. There's very little writing about overrated, underrated games uh, of times previous to that, with one extremely notable <clears throat> exception. And two, especially... This is mostly the overrated list, but the people that are writing these lists are freaking... Like... Are they children? They're, they're freaking, like, goons or something. Because they're just, they're just written like the people that like these games... They're just like calling them names and shit. It's just, it just, it's uncalled for. If you don't like something, there's no reason to go so overboard on them. But anyways, angry, angry sun zone, the zone of reasonable takes and enjoyment for every everyone. Level-headed discussion. We're not going to result to ad hominem attacks here. The sun might be angry, but we are placated in our approach. So, let's start with... I over don't feel like placated is the right word there. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Let's start with the overrated games, and I want to start with one that uh, we brought up extremely briefly earlier and decided, no, let's talk about this later, uh, Bioshock. Bioshock is a terrible game, and I stand by it. A lot of people adore Bioshock and think it's one of the best games in modern memory, so Alex, why is it terrible? So, I mean, I have I have a few problems with Bioshock, to be honest. Um, one of the problems I have with Bioshock is that, I mean, frankly, if I want to like to boil it down in one word, in in one word, the word is boring. Bioshock is a boring game. The combat is slow. The combat is clunky, and also uh, the game unnecessarily pads health bars to a very high level, and then. It has this mechanic where every time you die, it doesn't actually get rid of enemies. In fact, mm, right. it also doesn't even regenerate the enemy's health. All the enemies stay uh, dead or they stay damaged. And so you end up... Like, if you do end up in, a, in an area where the game becomes a bit more challenging, you just end up dying, going back, picking away, 
at the health bars and then repeating that for a while. Which I, I, is just a ter- it's a terribly boring way to play your game. I think you meant in an area where the game becomes more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> I love it. Because just, if there's no real penalty for failure, then how is that challenging? Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. And that's also really, that's the, really the game intentionally makes fights just slow with health bars uh, on many enemies that are just... They're unnecessarily large, and it's not even fun. It's not like, say, like an, uh, an interesting boss fight where there's a lot of different moves and, and, and telegraphed attacks, and it changes up at different health levels. It's just the same. It's just the same thing over and over. And so the combat, I, I find the combat incredibly boring. Partly because of this enemy thing, but also partly because just the weapons themselves don't even... They're not fun to use. I thought you could shoot bees in that game. Okay, some of the... Some of the... Some of the special power-ups are kind of cool. They still have problem. They still have the same problems, where it just... They don't... They don't feel satisfying to mm. use. They, you know, they don't... They don't feel like they hit hard and take enemies out... Which I feel is, like, an important thing. Like, every single weapon in the game feels weak. Uh, there's a flamethrower in the game, and the flamethrower is incredibly unsatisfying to use. And that should not be the case, okay? If you have a if you have a game and the flamethrower is not fun to play with, I'm not saying it has to be a good weapon. It needs to be a fun weapon. How did they mess that up? <laughs> anyway, um, so the combat's clunky. I don't like the combat. And then the movement is super clunky. It's slow. And I think they were going for this... Like, like they were they were trying to go for a vibe of, like, oh, everything's just, like, kind of big and beefy and, and, you know, methodical but powerful. But it... To me, it just falls out as everything is boring. Everything in this game takes way longer than it should. It's way too slow-paced for the type of game it is. Because it's a third person... It's a third person... uh, First person person shooter, basically. But... And the story doesn't make up for it. Uh, Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because a lot of people do like it for the story and atmosphere. Yes, the story is... It's just kind of... uh, It unfolds... I would say a bit slowly as well. Um, And... Uh, but my, my main, I, I, the story isn't bad, honestly, it's, it's fine. Um, I I don't, I didn't like the voice acting though. I I feel like the voice actors did a pretty bad job. A lot of the voice, I, I, again, and this is part of it. I, I feel like they were probably going for this vibe where they wanted a lot of voice actors to feel like, like they had, you know, just like powerful resonant voices. And instead everyone just kind of sounds disinterested. (laughs) <laughs> like like seriously okay. that's what i got that's that's what i felt i was like man every voice actor they hire just sounds like they're phoning it in because they're they're just sort of like tired or something like it was weird um and then uh now the atmosphere so what i will say is that the game visually has great art direction that's the one thing that i think that i actually do agree about uh, about Bioshock is that it is a beautiful game to look at, uh, especially for its time. 
Um, the weapons, especially the plasmids, some of the plasmids, they are visually very cool and very striking. Again, you can shoot bees. That's really cool. Uh, that's a cool effect. Um, bees? You've got lightning hands and stuff like that. Like, those are cool, but... Uh, just because a game has a visually striking aesthetic does not negate all the other things that you need. Namely, it needs to be fun to move around, it needs to be fun to play, fun to combat, and it just didn't have any of those. Fair enough, uh, fair enough. Yeah. Also, also, I think, actually, it definitely fell prey a little bit to one of the common pitfalls of that era, uh, which was that everything was too dark. <laughs> uh, they, like, the atmosphere was trying to be really moody, and so a lot of areas were poorly lit uh, with, uh, like, spotlighting or, sp like, spotlit items or... Uh, oh, lights. Bloom. There was a lot oh, of... It'd be, like, it'd be like a dark room with, like, bloom lighting on, like, specific objects and stuff, mm -hmm. which... Is trying to go for that doom and bloom aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, doom and bloom, sure. Um, so, like, it looked cool, but that's about the only thing I actually liked about it, and that wasn't enough. I, I didn't even finish the game because I was just bored. I also had a similar experience with Bioshock. Uh, I started watching a playthrough of it, and I was fascinated by, like you're saying, the atmosphere and the visuals of the game. And I tried it, and I made it past the opening sequence. And without, uh, I think you articulated it much better than I did, but unknown forces made me feel disinterested in the game quite quickly, and uh, I couldn't even get back into watching the playthrough of it. I've seen a few cool clips from each of the Bioshock games, but have never had enough traction to be able to uh, play it through to the first game through to its entirety. Uh, for me, I also found, I think it was, for me, mostly, I would say the number one thing, and I would agree with you there, is the pacing of the game. It didn't fit with my style, personally. I, I, I did, what, what actually kind of hooked me into, into trying out the game was the elements of the plasmids, but I didn't really even get that far to explore that very much, and so, I can't say very much about it, but, uh, um... I am unable to give it a thumb. <laughs> yeah. like, not liking a game enough that you don't play very much of it is totally valid in my opinion. Some people are like, oh, well, you didn't get to the good parts. Like, if I slogged through so much of the bad parts and didn't want to continue, then the game's bad. One game that, um, that happened to me with that I suppose I would consider overrated is Undertale. Now... Undertale is this internet darling of a video game that, like, harkens back to, like, Earth Earthbound's probably the, the best comparison you can give for it, where, and with a little bit of, like, almost Shin Megami Tensei stuff of where in the fights you can either fight the enemies in this little bullet hell minigames, or you can talk to the enemies and then eventually, you know, have have mercy on them, and then you win the fight without actually killing them. But the game, the first parts of the game are this, these just, like, really bad puzzle sequences that are, are just not 
not enjoyable, and the f- first few enemies that you encounter are the this the com the quote unquote combat system is novel, but it just I felt like it really outstayed its welcome within the first you know hour of the game or something like that, which is a real bad sign. Um, and so I never got to the parts that were actually considered you know the good parts of the game. And I later look, found out that um, that first section of the game was actually like the uh, developer behind it released that part of the game as like an early teaser or whatever, and then I ended up taking the game in a fairly different direction from then on, but still kept in the that early part. It's like, well, come on, you should have gone back and like fix up that early part of it with feed, with the feedback that you got. Don't just use the feedback that you got to make the rest of the game better. Apply it to the part that you, st- that you just made. So uh, I I ended up not liking it, even though I know a, there, there's a fair amount of people that absolutely love that game. And the later parts of it do sound like something that I'd be into, but the early part was so off-putting that I just couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I think... Because the whole thing about Undertale is that you, instead of dying, it, it goes through multiple branching paths, right? Or that? Uh, I don't know about that. It, oh. I thought that was there, like... There, the whole, there, yeah. there are multiple paths that you can take in the game, and the, the thing about Undertale is that it's a very, like... It's it's a game that knows it's a game. Yeah. I haven't, actually, I haven't actually played it, though I've heard it's really good. Yeah. I, too, have not played it. Yeah. Like, it, it does a lot of stuff that, like, the game, like, for example, if you do stuff in the game, and then you think, oh, I didn't I didn't like how that turned out, let me, like, quit and reload past eight, it knows that you did that. Mm. For example. like a, kind, of, kind of like a Mr. Rossetti type thing. And there's a lot of stuff where you can play it as, like, a pacifist run, or a run where you murder everything, and then, like, how you complete the battles changes how a lot of the game uh, ends up playing out. So, Again, a lot of really interesting concepts and apparently a lot of great humor later on, but just never got to it. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a big that's a big challenge, right? You have to intro your game well. If you start off weak, oh, a lot of people are just going to stop playing. Mm-hmm. Now, a game that sh- a game that showed up on a lot of lists that I I don't think any of us here have played are the various God of War games. I haven't played a single one. Me neither. I have heard vicariously about this game. Um, it appears to be a game excellent for beginners. One of my friends, and she's never really gotten into video games before, got a PS4 and was soul-searching for what games she could dive into to learn about video games and how they work and stumbled across the God of War games. And her one feedback was, wow, this is actually fun. Now... There is a caveat. I asked her how she was experiencing this game, and it consisted of watching playthroughs and then imitating what she learned through those <laughs> playthroughs. However, she said it actually was a blast to go execute what she was absorbing. Fair play. Yeah. I mean, I, I have I have heard derogatorily that God of War is basically just one long QuickTime uh, cutscene. <laughs> like, one long cutscene with QuickTime events, but... <laughs> There's a lot of games like that. Yes. <laughs> Tomb Raider. Yeah. Also, Asura's Wrath. Um, yeah, that, that's one that I think... There's a, there's a few on here that I think people just, like, 
list as overrated because they sell really well. And it's it, it comes down to how you define overrated. So, like, do people think the game is, like, amazing when it's not? Or do a lot of people like a game when perhaps it's quote-unquote undeserving of that attention? Like, I saw a lot of people talking about various Call of Duty games and Halo games as being overrated. And, like, come on. That's just not true. Like, they're exceptionally competently made shooters. I, yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 I used to rag on Halo a bit more when I was younger, mostly because I generally play shooters on PC. <laughs> and the thing about Halo is that Halo basically brought concepts that were already established in PC shooters and successfully translated some of those concepts to a console shooter uh, in, in a way that hadn't really been quite done before. And that was actually like, and you can look at that in one of two ways. You can look at it as being derivative or you can look at it as actually like breaking new ground. And I think that it's that perspective uh, that like trips people up this, with Halo in particular, just because that's what I'm thinking, thinking about that more familiarly. Uh, is it? Yeah, it's like, uh, say, for example, uh, like there's a lot of story that's communicated through cutscenes that do not take control away from the player mm -hmm. uh, in Halo. Now. This, of course, as a technique, was probably popularized the most by Half-Life. But uh, console shooters hadn't really been doing it so much before Halo. And then Halo's also just well-made. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, is that Halo isn't necessarily like shattering the genre with entirely new techniques. It's just like doing a whole grab bag of basically everything and pretty much everything in it is, at the very least, like, well done. Yeah, because, like... And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Not every game needs to, like, bring groundbreaking new mechanics into the genre. Exactly. Is it even possible at this maturity level of the video games industry to truly bring in new... Yes. Uh, it absolutely... The, the Battle Royale games came up in the last couple of years, and that was something that didn't exist in the mainstream before that. I concede the point. Yeah. Like, you can absolutely do new things. Um, but, yeah, that, that's... To your point, Alex, I was just like, yeah, it does so many things just, like, well. It doesn't... And that's why yeah. it's so successful as, and yeah. Call of Duty as well, is yeah. that these yeah. games, if they do a lot of things good, that'll appeal to a wide audience. A lot of people are gonna like them. That doesn't make them overrated. Just because they don't, you know, they aren't just, like, the pinnacle of, like, the best shooting ever. Yeah. Even because it's the most popular shooter ever. Yeah, so. I, I'd see, yeah, if we wanted to, like, make a comparison across media, like, if you look at the Marvel movie uh, cinematic universe, uh, a lot of film people will basically uh, give the Marvel cinematic universe a bunch of critique. And say, oh, these movies aren't that good. Like they're so they're overrated. Like they're so popular. Ah, they're not worthy of all this money they're making. It's like, well, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is extraordinarily. It has an extraordinarily high baseline of execution in all of the films. I don't think there's any other. Uh, Even though all series, the films are the same. Yes, they are. They are. the films are all the, all the films are the same. But hey, guess what? They're fun. Yeah, 
whatever. Yeah, but you know what? They have it. a formula. The formula works. They execute the formula consistently, and that is more than most other Hollywood blockbusters can say. <laughs> like true, agreed. And and a lot of people don't like that, and they give a shit. But at the same time, I mean, that's there's obvious like there's a place for that. Yeah. Like the con- let me put this way. One of the reasons why, like, you would like, like, an art, like, uh, a fi- an art school, like, film or something like that is because it was on an art school, but if you, if you give, like, an auteur an uh, infinite budget, they're going to churn out something that's probably not going to be as good as what they did with Limitations, which I'm saying that mostly as a segue to Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Metal Gear Solid 4 on a lot list, and I mean, I've only played the first and the fourth Metal Gear Solid game in any capacity, uh, and I kind of like the first one, but I was also playing it a fairly long time ago. When I was playing 4, I bounced off it pretty hard. I <laughs> The story is bonkers in a way that defies explanation. Yeah, okay, so like, yeah, I mean <laughs> Hideo Kojima is, the, I would say the closest thing to just like a crazy film auteur that the video game industry has, who has been given essentially an unlimited budget for yeah. some of his more recent works. Uh, now, I and I'm I'm kind of with you. I liked Metal Gear Solid, okay? Metal, Metal Gear Solid is a good game. Um, it's a bit It's a bit dated, I will say. Uh, I didn't play it's it. It's more than a bit dated, it's, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I played it when it... I, I, I didn't play it when it came out, and I played it a bit later. And, and even at the time, I was like, yeah, it's a bit clunky. But, but like, the, the ideas are good. Like, the execution for its time was actually quite well done. Um, like, it's a good game. Uh, I've played, I've played some Death Stranding. Oh dear! <laughs> and Death Stranding. So uh, nobody thinks that game's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so at this, I've played some at this, uh, Phantom Pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Hideo Kojima's recent works, because he's now so well known and people give him so much money for uh, to make whatever he wants, like it's. It's just, it's not good. It's too much. It's too damn much, and it it it's la- it really lacks focus. Um, like Death Stranding is insane. The game is insane. <laughs> like it it, it it veers between like thirty to sixty minute cutscenes with some uh, with a couple quick time events to just like literally a walking simulator, <laughs> literally. Like, and actually, it's a really cool walking simula- simulator, because you have to, like, use the sticks and use the yeah. uh, the levers to, to weird, walk. Like, um, there's one thing that Kojima's games are good for. It's weird little it's, dumb mechanics yeah, that like you're talking, in like, everywhere. Like, Sean, like, you're you, talk, have to, you have like, to balance your loads. That yeah, you're, that you're yeah. yeah, like, you're talking about, like, oh, can you even do anything new? You can. Death Stranding made walking a challenging video game mechanic in a way that no other game has. Yep. <laughs> Is it fun to play? It's something to play. 
I'm not sure if fun is the right word, though. It's more like, uh, it's more like being in awe that a madman actually made this. That's a, that's a powerful feeling sometimes. <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I do not regret the time I have spent with Death Stranding. Uh, it is an incredible piece of art. I don't know that it's a game. It's not a movie, but I don't know that it's a game either. Uh, it's, I, I think the, uh, it's funny actually, uh, like I was, I was playing it, uh, with my family a little bit and, and my mom thought that she heard it was like an interactive movie and she actually was interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh dear. And, oh, no. oh yeah. And of course then, of course you get into like the weird baby, the weird like, yeah, engineer <laughs> baby tube, baby tube used as like a tool, the, the, the a lot of just strange um anyway um but yeah like i think it's i think that's that's it's it's more like an interactive pseudo cinematic experience i mean you you could make norman reedus drink a monster energy that's pretty good (laughs) yeah um that's that's useful that's a useful ability to have on hand to watch a digital facsimile of norman reedus slam a mountain yeah it's also got way it's also like way yeah it's he also slams them out in that yeah. game if you, if you jump off stuff. Yeah, it, it's way heavy-handed with, like, the most, like, ridiculous social commentary. Oh. Constantly. Oh. Kojima has, like, the 50-pound hands. He is the most heavy-handed <laughs> uh, director in video games. Holy yeah. crap. Um, now, sh- I gotta, Sean, I, I want to hear about, about the Phantom Pain, because that's a really interesting Kojima game, because it doesn't have nearly as much... It's not nearly as bogged down by the story as a lot of his other games are. Well, let me it's tell all, you something about gameplay with that game. <laughs> let me it tell you something like. about the story: is that occasionally there are breaks for chapters, and oh, yeah. thanks <laughs> to those breaks, good. I've learned that every chapter in the game was directed by Kojima, <laughs> produced by Kojima. <laughs> every name in the credits is Kojima, and it is yeah. fantastic. It, <laughs> it made me definitely laugh. Yeah. Um, the game was quite open world, a little bit more than, like, like it, it went beyond even that of, you know, say, GTA, and I truly... It was interesting because this was actually my first introduction to the Metal Gear series, and, oh, okay. um... That, okay, so you gravitated towards playing as Snake in Smash Bros. without having played a Metal Gear game. That's right. That's pretty interesting. It's, it's It was just about the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, so actually before, uh, um, before playing as uh, Snake in Smash Bros., I'd seen clips from the various games... Uh, which seemed pretty interesting, and I wasn't sure where to start, and so hilariously I started with 5 because I heard strange things about 4. Um, and uh, let me tell you, it was also a weird game. The plot made me uh, wonder what kind of drugs the uh, that uh, Kojima could have been possibly on when he was writing some of the plot, and there was definitely some elements that seemed very gratuitous, such as uh, um, quiet. Uh, <laughs> Just... You don't have to say more than that. <laughs> very gratuitous. Yes. Um, and uh, ultimately, I left that game feeling like, based off of all the clips I had ever watched before and the story as I knew it so far, 
I felt like I could glean a little bit into Kojima's brain, which was a little bit like that scene in Indiana Jones where the poor lady says she wants to learn everything and she learns too much and gets eviscerated by the aliens. I felt my brain slowly melting as I got towards the end of the game. Um, now, fighting... And, and there was always just some elements that came into that game that made me be like, whoa! Like fighting uh, the giant Metal Gear walkers. That always felt... Uh, Quite overwhelming. And the fact that it was so open world that you could do quite game-breaking things, which for me, uh, I would actually just replay the same mission over and over again with the purpose of seeing if I could uh, uh, <laughs> fuck with the storyline there and do things that weren't intended, um, usually just ending up and dying. But yeah, uh, Metal Gear Solid seemed like a solid, uh, a solid game. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I actually did do is I went back and I played... Uh, not the Phantom Pain, but uh, Ground Zeroes, I think right, it was yeah, called. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. little and, teaser they put out. Yeah, and that was also pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. It felt like a great introduction to the game uh, and tied in a shocking plot point from uh, one game to the next. And uh, also introduced me to the zany characters and strange organizations that this uh, game and uh, Kojima's universe uh, seems to be occupied by. Uh, my favorite elements were that there's, you know, the Fox's uh, organization, and, or Fox organization, and then there's XOF, which just, you know, is like <laughs> the film. Um, and uh, that the, 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 the duality elements truly made me feel, I actually felt like I was uh, being beaten by a uh, film theory textbook sometimes when I was watching it, <laughs> where I'd go, oh, I've, I've watched, you know, or I've learned about this in my film studies course. Why do I feel like I'm swallowing the textbook while I'm playing this game? So, definitely. Because, because Kojima wants to make movies, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I get that feeling for sure. For yeah. sure. But, yeah. And, yeah, what... One thing that I want to say here is that, like, I hope this doesn't come off as us, like, slagging off Kojima. I'm glad that he's doing what he's doing. Like, I, Kojima's we amazing. Need, like, the, the video game industry needs, like, a pretentious auteur type yeah, to, just like, be, to just be crazy. I, I, I wish there was more than one. And, yeah, well, like, I can't think, like, there's not even, I can't, I can't think of any other person who's, like, in the same class as Kojima. Not in the same class. There's some people that are just, like, a couple, like, tiers below him in if, terms like, of just, like... If I go, like, a couple tiers below, I can think, like, maybe Jonathan Blow. Uh, like, David Cage, but he makes terrible games and doesn't know how to write. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't like Braid either. There, so. uh, to, to convey how I feel about uh, Kojima, there's this one scene in Westworld where, uh, and if you haven't seen Westworld, then um, this might not make a lot of sense, but... Uh, uh, the creator of Westworld is played by Anthony Hopkins, and he really dials up his uh, Hannibal-like uh, um, mannerisms <laughs> as he's playing the absolute insane, batshit crazy uh, creator of this theme park um, full of, you know, uh, androids who are trying to give you a good time when you go there, consisting of murder, violence, and, uh, and um, gratuitous plot points. Um, and in a way, it, it felt as though Kojima was a very much Ford-like character, and there's this one scene where uh, Ford is talking to the money men who are paying for this place, and uh, their spokesperson who's talking to him, and uh, he very vaguely, well, actually, I'm gonna back that up there, very overtly threatens her uh, um, <laughs> in the middle of this theme park, and she, at that point, 
Uh, she has to whip out a cigarette because she realizes how ingrained he is into this whole scenario. And I feel like that must have, that's the one thing that I'll note about uh, Metal Gear Solid Five is that uh, a lot of people were commenting that it felt as though the game was unfinished um, because of a yeah. breakdown between uh, Konami and Kojima. And I feel like that exact conversation between the Money Men and, uh, and Kojima uh, must have happened and probably gone a similar way, except that it didn't turn out in Kojima's favor, unfortunately. I wish it had. I would yeah. have loved to see the game as he fully intended it. Yeah. He, he, he's done well for himself since. So don't, uh. He has. He has. <laughs> he made this trend. He, he, he found a new baby daddy in Sony, so... Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but more to your point, like, yeah, it sounds like we're slagging on. It, it's not that I think Kojima is, like, a, a bad director or, or anything like that. It, it's that like, as we got onto this in the first place, it's that I think sometimes someone like Kojima will make better games with more oversight. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like how Star Wars, like, the first trilogy, the, the original trilogy of Star Wars was much better because George Lucas actually had a lot of oversight and a lot of editing was done on what he wanted. And that, in hindsight, was what led to the original Star Wars trilogy uh, being so much better than the prequel trilogy where uh, Lucas had almost total creative control. Scary um, things happened in the uh, in between episodes one to three. Yeah. That's the thing, like, like to get these, to get these really, like, good kind of uh, out there innovative ideas, it requires a certain kind of personality yeah. and they're not all going to be winners. And yeah. if you don't have... Like, like, and so it seems like, like I feel like it's almost like the ideal like team. Like the ideal is probably to be a good team of like someone like Kojima with someone, up, like like an auteur, and then someone that that works with them, and they work together well and like respect each other. But it, it seems like like that's a difficult partnership uh, for. Any anyone any creative partnership like that is difficult to sustain. To sustain, um, and maybe maybe it's out there and we just don't see it as well. Because I mean, there's so yeah, many. There's, there's, there's so, so many, little transparency in the video game industry. Yeah, there's so many games where stuff. there's so many games or studios where we see like the success, but we don't really know how how it goes on. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've talked. We've been talking about some super giant games a lot on previous episodes. They're actually very. Uh, out there with how they do stuff. Are they they okay. shot multiple uh, documentaries about the makings of their games. Oh, really? Yes. I did not know that. Uh, uh, you, sh you should check out uh, Noclip, uh, which is a documentary series uh, that looks at how like how games are made. Oh, basically. cool. That, um, they, they've, done a, they've done a lot of different projects, and yeah. a lot of them are very interesting. Because I'd love, to, I'd love to learn more about their creative process, because it seems like they're consistently good output that is getting perhaps better in some ways over time, uh, which is challenging. Not a lot of, mm -hmm. not a lot of studios manage that. It, it helps that a lot of the people that are there are uh, veterans of the industry in one way or another. Uh, but yeah, we could maybe go into the inner workings of Supergiant another time. Um, now, Sean, you brought up uh, a series that, one game in particular I saw a lot of on these lists, which was GTA 4. A lot of people think Grand Theft Auto 4 is overrated. And... Is, How is good... How could you say that, cousin? 
<laughs> we went bowling together. Ah, yes. We, con we controlled terribly together. <laughs> yeah, and GTA 4 is like a really weird one because I feel like the public con like consciousness about this game has been like really up and down. Like, sure, like critically, it was extremely well received and it, it was a GTA game, so it sold well. But I remember, at least at the time, like talking with people I knew, it was definitely like a little bit of a disappointment in some ways because it took that zany tone of all the previous games and really lessened it for it lessened it for the main storyline, but still kept like all of the like American culture satire in there and full forth. Like it still had all those radio stations. Like the freaking TV shows, the TV that you stations, and the TV stations in GTA Four were amazing. Yeah, so it it was like it had that weird dichotomy that I think like made it a very divisive game, but I don't think it would I would call it overrated. Well, I remember a lot of people also were uh, were upset that it didn't have a new area, right? Because it it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it did. Okay, if you're talking about landmass, like fuck you, like come yeah, on, I, like I, like I, the the tone of everything was completely different. Like it was so much dark, like so much darker and grittier. That like yes, it's the same geometry perhaps, but it's a completely different atmosphere. Yeah, I I, I didn't personally find that to be much of an issue uh, myself, uh, but I, I do remember that was a complaint that some people had yeah. at the time. But yeah, I think it really got overshadowed by GTA V a lot in the public consciousness, which, remember, is already quite an old game now. GTA V is... Uh, what are you talking about? They're still releasing it for the current generations <laughs> of consoles. Uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, they've kept GTA V alive for a long time. It's because it makes billions of dollars. It prints money. Yep, they literally sell they literally sell you in game money and ugh. But yeah, so like I didn't I didn't really like GTA four just because like I was the I was the person driving like golf carts into shit and making stuff explode in Vice City. Like that's the game I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just like how everything controlled in that game was so frustrating. Oh, Yes, I'll use the term grounded to be nice, <laughs> but yes, frustrating. Around, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I, yeah the, I recall the cars, like, they controlled a bit more like cars, which, I mean... Well, so, no, no, okay, now, here was the problem, okay, is that they controlled more like, a, they controlled more like cars in a simulation game would in all the frustrating ways, but they still didn't control like an actual car would yeah. in a simulation game. And so you have, it was like it managed to somehow take the worst parts of simulation driving and the worst parts of arcade driving and mash them together. I don't know how they managed to do that. <laughs> but it, it, I do recall GTA 4 had one of the most frustrating driving. Some of the most yeah. frustrating driving of any that I've played. I think one of the things that I think people that people have praised about GTA 4 though is the story and like how it did handle like that character like the Nico character and like, you know, 
stuff with like immigration and shit like yeah. that. It's funny. But, it's funny. I mean, actually, <laughs> that's not what I. That, I I didn't come to. Uh, I was literally actually for the story, I was so. just talking with someone the other day and he was like man I love GTA 4 I feel like that's exactly what's going on in New York City <laughs> in the gang underworld and I'm like maybe I don't know <laughs> but it, it seemed more believable than uh, something like Vice City yeah <laughs> we don't need more like things about Italian Americans rising through the crime ranks yeah, we need more stories like that. Fuck. <laughs> more stories about the Serbians. Uh, I think they were Serbian. Or... Uh, in GTA 4, that sounds correct. That either sounds correct and is correct, or sounds correct I'm a massive racist. So <laughs> we'll just move on to another Rockstar game that I saw on all of these lists, and one that I've been meaning to play forever, because yeah, it does sound yeah. up my alley. Oh, sorry. Let's, sorry, yeah, I, I just, I do find it interesting <laughs> that, that uh, so, wait, people were saying GTA 4 is uh, overrated? Yes. It's fine, because I it, feel it, like it, a it lot It got of people... perfect scores when it was released by critics. I think that it critically overrated. Oh, is, is yeah. People, I think people... Uh, a lot of people out. complained about the driving and, like, various... Nitpicks and story. yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of random people did, but crit- critically, the game did amazing. But anyways, another uh, overrated Rockstar game people talk about is L.A. Noir. Uh, I've never got around to playing. Yeah, that. same, and I really want to. I've heard good things about it, but likewise, I have not played that one. Yet. The only right. thing I know is that you press X to doubt. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna press X right now. I doubt that game's overrated, so. but let's talk about another one. Um. So, I I saw a lot of people saying that the Mortal Kombat games are overrated. And this was probably, this was some of the height of, like, just the, like, what are you doing with your life writing this stuff? Where people were just, like, talking about how, oh, those, those games are only popular because of the violence. Like, yes. Um, yes, they are. Yeah. So what? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's not, yeah, it, that, especially the earlier games, they're not, the, they're not deep strategic and balanced fighting games. They're, no, they're, they're just they're, they're fun the Yeah, You uppercut a dude into some spikes and then some guy from the side pops out and says, Dusty! And it's amazing. Who gives a shit? And then they made a movie. They made, they made multiple movies. <laughs> yeah. So, and like... And like the new the newer Mortal Kombat games, from by all accounts, are pretty damn good fighting games too. So I, that that one just struck me struck me a weird one that, and I wouldn't have even mentioned it if I only saw one person with that take. But I saw multiple people with that take, so I don't I don't know what's going on there. You heard it here. Stop having that take. <laughs> only good takes like Assassin's Creed is overrated, and I stand fucking by that. I think that. Uh, yes, I've only played two, but I think that game controlled so poorly, I don't understand how anybody liked those games. <laughs> I remember my number one way of dying, and, I, well, my t- top two ways of dying was uh, scaling a building and messing something up terribly, or trying to dive in a hay bale and whipping that and splattering to my death beside it. <laughs> I feel like what, I feel like one of the reasons that Assassin's Creed games have been so pop, especially initially, were so popular, uh, is because going back to how we've talked about open world games before mm-hmm. and just movement, I actually, I actually thought that the movement was fun and the movement at the very least was interesting. The controls may not have been like 
perfect, but I can't really think of any other open world games off the top of my head where your main traver- mode of traversing the area is to like, you know, traverse buildings and basically parkour your way around. Um, I can think of games where you do that, but they're not open world games. Right. Uh, you know, like Mirror's Edge or Prince of Persia. Like, I feel like Assassin's Creed early on essentially was trying to be open world Prince of Persia. And I think it kind of got there. Um, of course, later games totally changed the setting up. And now it seems like, you know, just like there's an Assassin's Creed game for every possible historical setting you can think of. Except, except Japanese history. They haven't gotten around to that yet. I can't wait till they do the future. That's what everything was pointing to. Everything was pointing to a modern day Assassin's Creed game, and then they just never, they just dropped that storyline completely. Uh, but, um, there's, there's... Yeah, you can go from Prince of Persia, open world Prince of Persia, to open world Mirror's Edge. So there's one more game that I saw on all this, and this, this is the most overrated video game ever, I think. And it's Final Fantasy VII. Okay, 100%. 100% agree. So, Way overrated. I agree that it's overrated. However, I still think it's a great game. It is a good game. Um, I, I don't know. I I sunk a lot of hours into that game, and I probably only got a third of the way in. That's value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, that, I think everything with that game just comes down to when it was released. That is why yeah. it is overrated. That's yeah. every because that game was one of the first examples, especially on a console, of a game that just felt huge. Yeah. So like, I think it's it. I, it's that completely was, natural. That, that was probably my problem with it. Actually, I didn't play it when it came out. I played it later. Mm-hmm. By the time things had kind of uh, kind of moved on a little bit uh, in both gaming in general and in RPGs specifically, and so I was just I was spoiled. I was spoiled on newer. Mm-hmm. Newer things by the time I got around to actually playing Final Fantasy VII. I loved the story. The story was cool. Um, I can't remember why I stopped playing, to be honest. I think it was just too big. Yeah. It's entirely possible you got stuck on a boss or something like that. It's generally, that's generally when I quit most RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> I get stuck on a boss, say, that's it. I'm going to a different one. Okay. There's so many I could possibly play right and now. And you forget. The stickiest of bosses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played Final Fantasy VII, like, fairly recently. I played it um, in 2019. Yeah. And I still thought it was a great game. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's still the most overrated game ever. I think Just it... because people put that game on a... on a, that's, that's the difference between a lot of games that I might think are overrated and Final Fantasy VII is that when I think about an overrated game, it's some, something that people put on a pedestal that doesn't deserve to be there. I think that Final Fantasy VII actually deserves to be on the pedestal that's put on, but maybe a smaller pedestal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with Final Fantasy VII, a lot of people just, they fell in love with it because of uh, the time that they played it, and then it gets clouded with nostalgia, which I am totally clouded guilty nice. of as well. What's that? Clouded. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, if you don't have nostalgia for Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven, I think it's it's definitely not the best RPG of all time. Oh no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> uh, now 
Actually, okay, <laughs> I, I brought this up briefly, but, like, I just want to talk about it. Um, Mirror's Edge. This is funny, because I feel like opinions have flip-flopped on this. Uh, because I remember it was very, really, really anticipated, and I feel like it scored well when it came out, uh, and people thought it was overrated. And then now I think maybe it's actually underrated. So we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but Mirror's Edge is the game that I saw on the most underrated lists. Really? Yes. Because when it came out, everyone said it was overrated. And, the, uh, you know, yeah, let's let's talk about it now and then weave this uh, narrative we got going here. So, I think Mirror's Edge was part of an initiative by EA to make new properties. Um, Dead Space was also in that initiative. Yep. And Mirror's Edge was one of the prime examples of why EA stopped doing that. Because it, it was critically well-received, but it didn't sell very well. Hmm. It, did, it didn't sell to their expectations, I believe. So, like... Yeah, and I don't even think it sold that poorly. It's just that, given the amount of uh, money and time they spent on it, it mm -hmm. just didn't have quite enough return. Yeah. And uh, another thing is that, like, I think, like, oh, the, the promise of a first-person parkour game, that sounds so cool. And I, I haven't actually played Mirror's Edge, so this is just, like, hearsay, really. But... Like, it maybe wasn't, it maybe was, like, an okay first attempt, but it definitely wasn't, like, cr crazy yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mirror's Edge, I, I like, I liked Mirror's Edge. I thought Mirror's Edge was a fun game. Uh, but it definitely had some problems. Um, one of the biggest problems was actually just the smoothness. It, it, it was kind of clunky when you were transitioning into combat. Because th that was the weird thing about Mirror's Edge, is that it was almost two games at once. Because playing the game when you're just parkouring around and uh, traversing the maps uh, has a certain play style and feel. And then enemies show up and then you have to shoot the enemies or take them out in hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat. But the combat is very, very... It's a very different way of playing the game. And especially sometimes the transition between the two is jarring and not well handled. Um, I don't think that it's a problem that couldn't be fixed. And in fact, I believe Mirror's Edge 2 handled a bit better. Mm -hmm. um, but nobody bought that either. But nobody bought that either. <laughs> like, like, that's the thing. I think Mirror's Edge... Uh, was a great first attempt at not just a new property, but a, f a relatively underexplored uh, genre. Um, whereas, and then Mirror's Edge Two improved upon it. Uh, but yeah, it's I think it's just not a particularly lucrative genre yeah. for the amount of money that EA spent making those games. Yeah. Like I wonder that. if we'll ever see uh, Mirror's Edge in VR, Nausea Edition. <laughs> Mirror's Edge? You know, Mirror's Edge they could be have, super cool in VR. They might have done a little... They might have done something like that. I don't know. Yeah, did. Mirror's Edge... Yeah, he's messing okay. around with VR a lot. Mirror's Edge... Star Wars shit, but. I'll say this. And actually, I wonder, uh, because there's the, the Vader uh, VR games. Yeah. 
uh, that I've played. And Star Wars, Star Wars Squadrons in VR and is also apparently... what I'll say is that there are some techniques that they had uh, used in the Star Wars uh, Vader VR game that would be perfect in Mirror's Edge. Because, uh, you know, they have you really, like, just interacting with the geometry of the level to traverse it, which is what Mirror's Edge is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you took that same, if you took those same mechanics from those Star Wars games and kind of just tried to speed them up and maybe make the uh, hit recognition a bit smoother, although that might be difficult with VR. But I feel like there's something there that you could make a really fun game out of uh, in VR. I like. I feel like they've released press releases where they're like, "We're thinking about making VR Mirror's Edge or something." Mm-hmm. Um, like it sounds like something that I remember reading about, like experimental Mirror's Edge VR test setups that they maybe had. But that could be, uh, definitely that could definitely be cool. It, it yeah, it seems actually like the perfect genre. Mm-hmm. Like like this like the, like like parkouring first person parkour that sounds like a VR game. Mm-hmm. Like that would be really fun. So, and yeah, I think. And then, you know, it's funny, because now that I think about it, I think that that, I think that in VR, you could actually make the transition between the parkour elements and the combat elements more uh, more smooth than it was on uh, mouse and keyboard, which I played on. You heard it here first. Mirror's Edge VR coming to a VR platform. Near coming you. to no platforms ever, because EA doesn't, EA just doesn't. Yeah, and that, I think that's one of the main reasons why Mirror's Edge shows up on so many underrated lists, is that the game itself could possibly be underrated, but that the idea of Mirror's Edge is really what's underrated, which is this big AAA studio taking a, taking a risk for once and putting resources behind a new, interesting project. Yeah. Like, people are probably like, they want to call Mirror's Edge underrated just because of that fact. Um, yeah, so let's let's dovetail back into Overrated for a second. That that's all the games that I had um, that popped up on a lot of lists for Overrated. Any examples that you guys have of over, of Overrated games personally? Um, I, I got one that I can start with. Um, and that's uh, Gone Home. Gone Home. I haven't played that one. Yeah, so Gone Home is this game that, if you look at it on the, like the store or whatever, it's got this like kind of eerie-looking font on this eerie-looking house, and the screenshots are all fairly dark. For as this first-person game, and so you you might go, you'd probably go into it thinking it's this you know very spooky experience of exploring this abandoned house and then jump scares or whatever. But it's not. You're going through this house as this family member that's shown up after like a long period of time or something like that. And you're basically just exploring this house and kind of exploring the story of this family that lives in this house that you're related to. So parts of it don't actually make sense to me. But it's like this, this like all of this information shouldn't be new to this person. Clearly, but you're still going around discovering it. So I don't know. Yeah, it basically just it's it's the game that like 
it's the first example of quote, the quote-unquote walking simulator. Where all, where all you're doing in the game is walking around, looking around at these various things, hearing these uh, voiceovers, uh, these notes left by your sister about how like she met uh, like a new friend, how cool they are, and then various problems that the family's having and that they're dealing with and all that stuff. And critically, the, the game, like, ev- critically adored. Like, people love this game. The, the critics. And I... I don't use the whole not a game thing very often. And this is still a game. But it's bordering very close to just not being a game. It's as close as... It's, it's like it's like an interactive story, but I don't think that the interaction a helps the story, and b I don't even think that it's a great story. I just it's a game that just like I don't see why people think it's so great. I don't know. Yeah, something yeah. I do notice is that, and, and and I wish this weren't the case, but video game stories, frankly, a lot of them just aren't that great yeah and oh, I, I agree and because of that as soon as something comes in with even a half decent story if it's in a video game suddenly it it is regarded way better than it would be if the same story were uh in a different medium yeah right and the, the frustrating thing about that and, and i like i i i yeah i just i wish that we had more good stories in, in games so that we yeah. could, like... So, yeah. And the frustrating thing about that to me is that a lot of people, I feel like, look down on stuff like visual novels, for example, and even, even, even like, dating sims. And those quote-unquote genres of quote-unquote games are way more story-based, and a lot of the time, like, I've read a few visual novels that I've had, excellent stories. Or, or, like, games that are mostly visual novels with light game elements. And those barely get talked about. But then people, you know, play Bioshock and love its story for some reason. I don't get it. I have no idea why people love <laughs> Bioshock's story. It makes no sense to me. Uh, seems, like, mediocre at best. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes I'm willing to give a game accolades for a story. Like, we've talked about how my favorite game ever is Homeworld. And I love Homeworld's, Homeworld's story. I especially love Homeworld's voice acting, uh, which is amazing, and I'm not going to budge on that, and really helps the story. But if I'm being honest, the story isn't particularly... It, it's the presentation of the story that's yeah, done so, well. Like, the but, story's good, but the plot isn't. The perhaps. plot's fine. The plot's not bad. Or, it, yeah, it, the plot's it, not bad, that, but the plot's not amazing. Yeah. Um, no, it's not like... It's, a, it's, a, it's Honestly, it is, an, it is an extremely straightforward, standard sci-fi plot. Yeah. Um, like if it were a if it were a science fiction novel, it would not be notable at all. But because it's a video game, uh, I give it higher marks than I would otherwise if that same story was in a different medium. And then also, but then where it gets dicey though is like where you have these these games that are they're in this weird um, uh, interactive story almost kind of category of game mm-hmm. and and that's where things get dicey because now obviously there is more focus on the story and we end up in this weird zone where like, whereas Homeworld is an RTS with a good story uh, 
if you have a almost non-game with a good story by video game standards that is still a mediocre story if it were an actual novel, for example. Um, we're in this weird middle ground where you're you're basically just reading... You, like, you might have a game where you're basically just reading a story, and yet it's held to video game standards and then gets called exceptional, even though it's not a game. And that's, a, and that's, that's I think, the problem that I have with, with when these... these uh, games sometimes get really high accolades is because it it feels almost like it's it's cheating. Yeah, it almost yeah it feels like cheating in a way. It's it's like if I could write a novel and then get it um, graded on the video game metrics instead of the novel metrics, even though it's still basically a novel. Like that's kind of weird, but I don't know. I, and at the same time, I do like some of those uh, those games. Right, like I think Firewatch is kind of similar. Uh, mm-hmm. it's good if I'm being honest actually uh, the Penumbra games uh, like uh, uh, Amnesia and oh what was before Amnesia they made wait no it was Penumbra Frictional Games is the studio name got Frictional Games made Amnesia Dark Descent and uh, the Penumbra series of games and they're horror games though if I'm being honest they are actually in some ways more similar to the walking simulator uh category if you're being really like fine it's just that the entire atmosphere is horror and so like even though you're getting even though it's mostly story conveyed through text and audio clips no one calls it a walking simulator because it's horror themed (laughs) right for me some one overrated game that uh, definitely strikes me is Age of Empires 3. Okay. Overrated. Okay. And uh, I, did, I, I definitely did not like Age of Empires 3 nearly as much as any of the other games. It felt to me very much like a game that the critics loved because perhaps they were paid to love it. Um, oh, come on. I don't think it's that. If, they, if anything, they loved it because it said Age of Empires on it. <laughs> it, was, it was a game of disappointment. After riding the wave of Age of Empires 2 and sinking so many hours into it that my eyes resembled owl eyes, um, let me tell you that uh, it did not measure up at all to what the critics were saying about it. And uh, um, <sighs> it felt it felt as though they were trying much too hard to do something distinctly different with 3, you know... Uh, putting it forward to the colonial age. colonial age um but straying away from the elements or not focusing enough on the elements that would have made it into the masterpieces that uh came before it mm-hmm. yeah i agree they yeah they had too many new ideas that felt half-baked and square peg round holy yes than others like for example asian mythology is they try something different from with that compared to age of empires 2 with you know the three civilizations that you pick being really different in age of empires 2 there's over 30 different civs that you can pick and they have their they have fairly minor differences in the grand scheme of things that because every difference is so minor that makes the change the differences actually major in a way. Mm. With Age of Mythology, they had three different factions that played 
completely differently from each other. There was the favor as an additional resource. There were the myth units and the gods yeah. that you could and god power and even even something like god powers, which is a completely insane uh, thing to throw in that series. Yeah, like that still fe- that still felt better than the the freaking like home city like redeeming those bonuses felt in Age of Empires three. That just felt off. It really did. It really really did. Mm-hmm. Um, another overrated game that I would put on the list is Borderlands. I I a hundred percent agree with you there. Borderlands is a fun <laughs> multiplayer game. If you play that game single player, is boring as sin. And yeah, I don't understand. This is one of the things that I don't understand why people like open world games. I should have brought this up when we talked about it, but I forgot. Which is which is about Borderlands is that you have this insane world that you've built with these insane characters and all this zany like off the wall humor and attitude to it. Why sit your game in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where there's nothing to do? <laughs> like it, it's com- it's completely anachronistic. to me. So that they could show off their their glorious loot engine, the game machine. <laughs> yeah, that part uh, on it is great, but if I have to just walk around all this just barren wasteland, yeah, that's to, actually... to get to where I to get to enemies to get loot like. If if I walk out of the town in Diablo 2, I'm fighting enemies right away. I can't walk two screens without finding more more stuff to kill and more loot to find. Let me it tell is you, populated. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's one thing about the Borderlands games is that that that's a bit weird is that there is a lot of dead space in those games. And dead yet space. no necromorphs. Sorry. And, uh, <laughs> I, I like Dead Space. I don't think it's necessarily. No, I'm, I'm just making a joke. Oh, we, we, we said Dead Space. We, 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 we talked about it. Yeah, uh, talked anyway, about anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, the uh, Dead Space Two, it went off the rails. Dead Space Three, I didn't play. It apparently, went even more off the rails. But anyway, um, we already talked about that. Um, now, but yeah, Borderlands. I think Borderlands. Honestly, I think Borderlands is just like it's the it's the loot collecting like, multiplayer game of a certain, like, era. And that's really why it's popular. And it's it's almost, it's almost like it's popular because it's the multiplayer loot questing game that everyone was playing for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that niche could almost be filled by any, like, reasonably competent game. Yeah, well, just like, just a short little thing is that, like, it was the first quote-unquote looter shooter. And, like, Having a loot game that's also a first-person shooter was was very novel at the time. And again, playing a multiplayer when you have somebody to talk to to fill that dead air, like that was actually a really enjoyable time. But solo, the game just was garbage. I did not want to play it. Yeah, I think another thing that disappointed me was that even though you had all of these cool abilities for each character, you know, within their ability tree, that uh, when you progressed to the higher difficulties of the game, it felt like you were very much railroaded into uh, certain abilities being essentially the only playable ones, and, and then that just evolved yeah. into you know, yeah. Borderlands did. Borderlands had this problem where you, you you all everyone basically converges on the same playstyle, and there's yeah. no real variety that you can really take in how you play the game. 
I think the uh, the, 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 the min-maxer within me uh, likes that but hates itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's self-defeating. Or I want to play the best I can be. But then I get railroaded into the one play style. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a weird problem to solve, but other okay. games have definitely solved that, so there's no excuse for Borderlands not to have. Santo, for you, I've got, I've got a dangerous question. Go for it. <laughs> so, are the FIFA games overrated? <laughs> okay, so, um, complicated question. Uh, after a point, you know, no, I don't think the FIFA games are overrated because of like what they are. Now, FIFA, I do th- think, like, full disclosure, I worked at EA for about eight months on FIFA, testing it. Um, and those games are simulation games. They're not arcadey fun sports games. If you're lo- going into those games thinking that they are going to be a fun pick-up-and-play experience, you're wrong. <laughs> we, I, we had a, a room of 22 people most of which who had not played FIFA before and guess what it was not an enjoyable time for them like picking up and playing that game like you get wrecked in, a, in ways that you don't even see coming when you're playing as somebody that knows how to play like I'm, I'm decent enough with my hands I, and I know the rules of soccer and I was getting wrecked and I've played FIFA, uh, one or two FIFA games in the past um, now where this gets tricky is that's the modern FIFA games now the older FIFA games um, when they were a bit more arcadey style, those were actually pretty fun. Like I played, I think FIFA two thousand quite a bit, and that that was a that was a great time. I mean, I love I love a good arcadey sports game of almost any mm-hmm. any sport. You know, Mario yeah. Soccer, Strikers is, is incredible. Yeah, it's super fun. And because you brought up FIFA, I want to like dip into underrated games for a second again. One of the games I saw on multiple underrated lists that I fully agree with is NBA Street and FIFA Street. Hmm. Those games that EA put out were like a return to form where they were just crazy and they were fun. <laughs> like you they had elaborate trick systems and like where you could just like ball juggle in crazy ways. I can't remember. Was stuff. uh did NBA Street was that one of the ones that had uh the player with the flaming basketball head in it? Was that a different um, N64. Oh, NBA Street was, uh, was uh, PS2 oh, era. Okay. So, if you're thinking of maybe, like, a Might weird be... later NBA Jam game, maybe. No, not... Or are you thinking of NFL Blitz? It was an N64 <laughs> basketball game that was definitely officially NBA that I remember. It was a very fun arcade one, and it had there was one character that had... He was like the... This, I think he might have been like the secret unlock or something, and yeah, it was a dude with a, bat, a flaming basketball for a head. It was ridiculous, but I loved it. Yeah. But these games, like the stats, like mattered in a in a in a very real and very like visible way. Where when you un- increased your stats, you could see how that like made your made your player better in ways that a lot of the newer games, like you increase your shooting stat by five out of a hundred, and you don't you can't really see anything change. It's only when you increase it from like sixty to ninety that you suddenly start seeing changes in that. So yeah, mm. those, those games were just fun, and I do agree that they're underrated. People don't talk to talk about them nearly as much. FIFA act they actually tried, quote unquote, hearkening back to FIFA Street in FIFA twenty and maybe twenty one. I don't know. I wasn't there that long. Uh, 
with their Volta mode, which was like in like kind of indoor soccer, like street soccer mode. That was like you know uh, four on four, like three on three to four on four, five on five, whatever. But the problem was it still fit within the within the FIFA engine, which is Frostbite, by the way, which is bananas. Wait, really? EA made all their games use Frostbite. That's amazing. All right. There is an op. There's an option for. <laughs> there's an option to suicide your character in FIFA. <laughs> is there conquest mode? <laughs> yeah, but but like yeah, like this this new mode that they like really tried really hard to harken back to FIFA Street just felt underbaked because a time constraints because those games are on a yearly cycle and b it was still within it was too within the newer FIFA engines that like. The tricks were a little bit looser, it felt like, and you could bounce the ball off walls, but it still felt like crap. Yeah. Alright, one, one, some games, group of games, we'll say, <laughs> that I feel personally are a bit overrated. It's really just one word, and that word is Bethesda. Oh, uh, oh, you said it. I think you we've said talked it, and about, I agree with you. I think we <laughs> talked about this a little bit, maybe, mm-hmm. before, but, um, I honestly don't like any of the Bethesda RPGs, uh, basically since uh, quite a while, actually. Like, Fallout 3, really just, I didn't like it. Oblivion, eh. Uh, Skyrim, eh. Like, the other Fallout games, New Vegas, like, these games, to me, they all have fundamentally very similar problems in that I just... I find them slow and boring. Yep. And there's all these weird inconveniences that really just turn me off the game. Um, I don't know, like, and it's weird because I, I can't, it's hard to even point to any one thing. I don't know what it is, but just, and it's almost like all of Bethesda's RPGs these days are, I just don't like any of them. Yeah. I've tried. They're, there are open world games that, in a way, they they want to promote exploration of their open world, but it's just not worth it. Like you go into the same derelict, uh, burnt out Nothing building feels... in Fallout. Yeah. You search through all these lockers for that's just got junk, and maybe you'll find one or two things that are useful. And yeah, if you go to like certain areas of the game, you'll find some really some stuff that's you know pretty cool, but. It ventures into the point where I'm not I'm not going to explore that game on its own terms. If I want the cool shit, I'm going to look it up. It's, it's too much of a hassle to try and find that stuff like, regularly. I would say, like, if I had to boil it down, it's like nothing feels alive in these games. To me. <laughs> Especially not the characters. Every time you go into a conversation, it just you know zoom in to their weird to their like barely animated <laughs> model, <laughs> and yeah. they've been using this crap since uh, Oblivion or maybe Morrowind. They're in the desperate need of engine upgrades. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, they're just unfun. And I don't know. Yeah. Like, people, I, uh, people. I liked, I liked, like, I've played the 2D follow games. Those are good games. It's funny, you mentioned the characters. The 2D follow games had, I swear, better facial animation <laughs> than the latest follow games do. We kind of did. I'm not joking. Like, like, this is insane. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong that, like, a, a 
game that literally doesn't even have a 3D graphics engine made better facial. Yeah, uh, yeah not every conversation with a person has to have them talk with their mouth, their, and they look off to the side like this, and then nod their head a little bit, then look back, and then talk a little bit more, and then do it again. Yeah, and, then talk and back like, a you know the funny more. thing, too, is that, like, sometimes I'll talk to people about, like, some of the issues I have, and they're like, oh, that's easy. All you need to do is install uh, this mod, this mod, this mod, this mod, and this mod, and then it's a good game. And I'm like, if I have to go to all this work to mod the game to turn it into a good game... Like no, yeah, That's... and also, and also, what if you're on consoles? If you're on console, you <coughs> have very little access to those mods unless you want to do crazy shit to your hardware. Yeah. So, like, that's not a solution. Yeah. Also, the other thing is that uh, they're buggy. They're super, super buggy. And people, uh, people I, just I have, wave that off as open no, world jank. I have no idea and... why Bethesda gets such a pass. Because I oh, swear... Oh, the tank is fun. No, it's not. Guess what? When The Witcher 3 launched, and those The Witcher games are insanely open games. Let's forget about Cyberpunk for a moment. Let's not, oh just pretend that, exist, that doesn't exist. <laughs> but The Witcher 3 had... It had some open-world jank and some bugs, but nowhere near on the same level as the amount of quest-breaking, hard crashes, and save corruption that the Bethesda RPGs Yeah, had. you know why I stopped playing Fallout 3? It's because I lost all my save data for no reason, and it just, I was i was like, no, this game was not fun enough to continue playing after all my save data is just gone for no reason. Clearly you didn't mod the game with save game plus. The, uh, and the game on, and saver. on console, those saves were fairly large, and due to the cache system that uh, those consoles used, like, having too many saves made your game run slower. So, you get fucked. Like, those games on consoles especially are just, like, they're not they're not acceptable to me. They're not acceptable game experiences, yet they not only get a pass from a bunch of people, but a bunch of people love them. Like, very few things about games legitimately piss me off, but that's one of them. Like they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway... So I think we're moving on to underrated games now. Yeah, let's 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 try to make this uh, a little bit more positive. Yeah, like positive. Uh, I, 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 I think we try to be like fairly positive most of the time. So <laughs> you know what is one of the most underrated games for me is Super Hooked. It's the most innovative game of the year. In, <laughs> uh, I don't know. enough people like Super. I don't think it's underrated. I, okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's underrated. Yeah, I. I haven't so, thought of it. As uh, so being one. One thing that I want. I to feel make like Super Hot about, is about exactly as rated as it should be. One. Uh, one thing that I want to make a distinction about that was really difficult, and it was really difficult to find lists of underrated games that were like most of the lists I found when I typed in underrated video games on Google were, uh, oh, were like overlooked games. And now, underrated and overlooked are similar, but they're not. And uh, a lot, a lot of them were extremely temporal. A lot of them were from last year or the year before. Uh, it was very difficult. Like I couldn't really find a lot of people talking about underrated games from the past, even more so than overrated games. At least with overrated, people like shit on Final Fantasy VII all the time. So <laughs> they had that. They had that uh, to talk about. So uh, one game. We already mentioned Mirror's Edge, which showed up on the most uh, 
for underrated. The second most that I found was Titanfall. And I, again, I haven't played Titanfall, but I feel like this is a game that everybody that played it loves it, thinks it's one of the best shooter franchises ever. The campaign in Titanfall 2, I've heard only incredible things about, but EA decided to be EA, and they decided to keep releasing this game alongside Call of Duty. Guess what's going to happen to your incredibly innovative <laughs> first-person shooter if you release it against Call of Duty? You're going to fail. I don't care who you are. Wait, were they releasing it at the same time? Yes. They released it at the same time as Battlefield and Call of Duty. They also make Battlefield. Why? That's the fucking crazy thing. <laughs> Just wait six months. Yes, don't don't force your game to come on on fucking holidays. They threw the baby uh, out with the bathwater. Yeah, there. and like the type some, of game, some some manager at EA is like, we got to get all the games released on this day. Yeah, but like the Titanfall games, they're made by Respawn Entertainment, which was founded by ex Infinity Ward people. Infinity Ward being one of the one of the uh, old Call of Duty studios, and. The, Thank goodness that Respawn made Apex Legends and that's successful because that, that, I, I don't know if, I cannot say whether or not, I, I don't know whether or not they were in a hole at EA from the non-success of the Titanfall games, but I'm very thankful, thankful that Apex did well because they're doing very good work. I swear I heard a rumor actually that Apex was basically a, a derivative from Titanfall. It's set in the same universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh. You know what's funny is for oh, like, like, like they were working on it as a mode originally that was going to be. Oh, I guess yeah. It basically, is if it's in the same universe. Yeah. yeah. Um, for a while after playing Titanfall two, I was so hyped from the campaign that I uh, I started trying to do cheap voice imitations of one of the main characters, BT, <laughs> and a few people picked up on what was going on. And started being like, is that VT? And, of course, I would respond in the cheesiest voice possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can definitely tell who on Apex has played um, Titanfall 2. What's interesting is how smoothly they've taken the franchise, uh, you know, what a lot of the innovative concepts out of Titanfall 2 and put it into Apex Legends... Um, while also, I think one of the things about Titanfall 2, uh, that, that made it, I think, besides being released at terrible timing, um, you know, that made it not hit the market as well as it could have, was, I don't think they gave, I don't think they appropriately directed their marketing engine towards it like they could have. Yeah, that that's a hundred percent it. Like again, don't put out. You're just flooding the market at that point. Nobody, nobody's gonna be happy if you do that. Perhaps it was their sacrificial lamb the strategy know. all along. <laughs> it's a bad strategy. Truly. Uh, yeah, but uh, another game that I saw on quite a few lists that I mean to play but haven't gone around to yet is Sleeping Dogs. Uh, and this is. It's a GTA that game that's like... more GTA than GTA. <laughs> it's, it's the GTA game that the people that didn't like GTA Four probably wanted. Where it's a it's a hard, it's a Hong Kong like hard boiled undercover detective story. Okay, yeah, because when you say the GTA's GTA game, my mind goes to oh, what what is the the super over the top 
GTA clone. Purple. Everything was purple in it. Oh, Saints Row? Saints Row. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I guess that's the... Uh, that's that's GTA San Andreas. GTA San Andreas. Or something. I don't know. I don't even know. I haven't Sa- really Sa- played Saints Row, Saints Row took a turn for the crazy around 3. It was actually... It was actually trying to be like a little bit more serious, grounded GTA clone in the first two installments, but then they jumped out of a plane blasting Kanye and everything changed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, anyway, yeah, Sleeping Dogs. I, I remember when it came out, it looked really cool, but... Nobody bought it. <laughs> Nobody bought it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that looks really cool. Maybe I'll play that and talk about it later. Um... So I mentioned that Halo showed up on a fair amount of overrated lists, but one game game that showed up on a fair amount of the underrated list was uh, Halo 3 ODST. I would agree. That is definitely an underrated game. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, like, well, A, it introduced the firefight mode, which, yes, it's, yes, it's, it's, quote, unquote, the horde mode, derivative of Gears of War horde mode. Who cares? It's, just, it's, that concept was still new at the time. <laughs> uh... And that that was that was super fun, and uh, it didn't have competitive multiplayer in it um, because you were supposed to play Halo Three for that. Uh, but the campaign for it was really interesting uh, for a Halo game, where you had this city at night that you were going through to uh, the different like instance missions that you were going on, and you would have you know combat encounters while you were moving around this city, and there were some collectibles to find, and the soundtrack for ODST actually is really cool in that section, where it's like, all this like, cool jazz shit. I love cool jazz shit. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it, it it has some like, pretty novel ideas for a Halo game that, like, it was was really cool to see, you know, a AAA game take a a little bit of a detour there. It's, it's not the most groundbreaking game or anything, but it was definitely a cool one. Uh, and one more that I saw on a lot of lists was No Man's Sky. <laughs> which Underrated? Yeah. And, well, I think the reason for that is when it came out, it was a huge disappointment for a lot of people because it... It had the opposite problem of Titanfall, where the marketing made it seem like m- way more than it actually yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but apparently they've kept updating it and really kept it going, and that today, it's probably an underrated game just because of the... Uh, Initial impressions were so bad. The, yeah, the, the you know first impressions make, make or break a deal for a lot of people, and so if you completely wrote off No Man's Sky when it first came out, and and you, right. and you still own it. Maybe I now mean, is a good time to check back in and see see I mean, how it is. I think yeah, a lot of I I remember a friend of mine played a lot of No Man's Sky and he liked it, but also the game was buggy as shit. He was always complaining about bugs, hmm. crashed a lot. Like not 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 just like like we're talking hard crashes, like frequent yeah. hard crashes. That that's not good. Yeah. Uh, and then that on top of the content that they promised that wasn't in the initial release, I can see how a lot of people were pretty pretty choked. Yeah. it's uh, an interesting one. Yeah, but yeah, it was much harder to find a consensus on underrated games. A lot of the writing that people had for underrated mostly was just like, here's a somewhat like 
he was just like the, an indie game that I love. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, sure, the more people should have played this argument for underrated is is a decent one, but when I think when I think underrated, I think more of like games that people know of, games that people like that rose to a certain standard of people should know about this, for example. Like, like yeah, nobody's played every indie game that shows up on Steam and Itch these days, even if they're amazing. So think, saying that's over underrated, I'd say that's maybe overlooked. I think those are distinctive enough. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because, especially, you know, you're talking about the fact that a lot of these... Uh, a lot of the chatter around this stuff is around more recent releases and i think it gets really challenging because when you get when you're looking at older games and you're deep into sort of back catalogs of games that might not even be easy to get a hold of anymore um you know you're running into this issue where a lot of people it, it's if it was forgotten honestly a lot of the time it probably was forgotten for a reason. Um, it's why, oh, why is every game from the SNES era, you know, so amazing? It's like, well, no, they weren't. We just, no one talks yeah. about the SNES games that were bad. Let me tell you, when, in the olden days, there were way more shitty licensed games. Oh, yeah. So many shitty licensed games that were just these, like, not thought out platformers or... In the amount of, like, you know, Gradius and R-Type clones that were, like, these side-scrolling <laughs> shooters that were just nothing. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, one game I do want to plug here, uh, uh, as, uh, I'm not sure whether we would call it underrated or overlooked, but uh, Wipeout, Wipeout series, Wipeout HD in particular, on the PS3, which is now... Uh, an old system. Um, <laughs> My God. But uh, I think it hasn't... I don't think there's been any installments in the series since Wipeout HD, uh, which is probably why hmm. it hasn't been... At least not that I'm aware of. Uh, I'd be curious about any PSP or Vita releases, but I don't know about console. No one bought those anyway. Fair point. <laughs> People bought the PSP. Nobody bought the Vita. Yeah. Uh, but... A uh, Wipeout HD is just like a super super solid. Uh, I don't even know what the genre, what the name of the genre would be, but like a futuristic hover racer, an F Zero like, an F Zero like, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh But Wipeout HD is just—it's a really really bumping racing game. It's got like the music, the whole aesthetic of the game is perfect. Like just straight up, it is exactly like what high-speed anti-gravity future racing racing should look like. Um, it's a bit more serious than F-Zero, um, which, I mean, some people might consider that, I don't know, however you feel about that, but, like, I, I think it nails the aesthetic perfectly. They got a great soundtrack for it. They got really, really tight controls, which is paramount in any racing game. You have to have good controls, and it's just... It's, it's, a, it's a really great racing game, but... Um, I feel the genre of a whole of these high-speed anti-gravity racers is sort of not as popular these days. Yeah. Uh, Gone from Audio Surf to... uh, Well, Audio Surf was a puzzle game. To Beat Saber. (laughs) 
Both of those are rhythm games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rhythm game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, not, not, neither of them are racing games. Um, but yeah, I love Wipeout. In fact, I was actually just playing it, like, maybe a month ago. Nice. Uh, because I was like, I, I just had that, I had the itch for a racing game. I'm like, you know what? Wipeout HD. Mm-hmm. With the Fury expansion. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing, too, is that it's, with Wipeout HD, the game is actually, for what it is, it's basically perfect. Uh, like, I don't think there's anything you can actually do to improve that game. There are certain, like, you could put more tracks into it, I guess. But, like, like, there's no way you make that game better without dramatically changing what the game actually is. Uh, in its niche, it pretty much nailed it. Like, there's not much more you can do with it. So, nice. so I think that that's it, it, which is a blessing and a curse because it means that you held it in one. <laughs> yeah, you, you have. Well, it was not the only yeah, yeah, wipeout game. There were some wipeout games earlier than that, but it pretty much like they refined the formula until it was so good that apparently they just were like, "Nah, that's it. No more sequels." Yeah, and I'll hide out. And uh, since and since it was in HD, it still holds up graphically. Four <laughs> K remastered. Let's go. Four K. Under 20 hertz. Actually, the game probably would look really good if they bumped up yeah. the, the frame rate, just because it's a very fast, it's a very fast racer. Like, especially on the high difficulties, the game's hard to play. Like, it's hard to actually even just pay attention. The only way to play the game on high difficulties is to just have all the maps memorized. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. So, uh, in terms of, like, other underrated games that I know of. Like, I've played my fair share of somewhat obscure Japanese RPGs and strategy games, but I, I find it difficult to call any of the underrated. Like, more people should know more people should know about Ogre Battle, I think. But it's it's difficult for me to say it's underrated when nobody's rating it. <laughs> yeah. But um what the the one the one big example that I want to say here, and I'll probably just leave it at that, is um, you played Freedom Fighters. Uh, this was a, this was a PS2 game, yes. I believe. Yes, uh, this by is the one IO with Interactive. It's got squad combat. Oh right? hell yeah! It's got okay, squad yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to make sure. Hell. I just want to make sure. There's because there's another game with a very similar title that is a total piece of trash. Are you talking about Freedom Force? Yes. Is that, that's a beat 'em up. Yes. Freedom yeah. Force is a piece of garbage. I hate that game. I liked it at the time because I was young. <laughs> but uh, I was young and never got to play any of the, like, SNES or arcade yeah. beat-em-ups, really, I think I so. got confused, downloaded, and, like, I, I got confused, I think, and bought and downloaded Freedom Force. And then I was like, this is not the game I wanted. Oh, no. This game is awful. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Freedom Fighters is an amazing game. Mm-hmm. And Interesting, it, yeah. It, it, it's a game that not, not a lot of people talk about, and I'm not, not even a lot of people played it. I'm not even talking uh, much about the campaign because I could never, I never really figured out the campaign. I kept dying, but <laughs> I played so much of the split screen multiplayer in that game, and it was sick. It had a capture the flag mode that, because of the squad mechanics that you had in it, was amazing. You would direct your squad around this map and try and like. You know, outmaneuver the other person you're playing as Captain this Fly. I played hours and hours and hours of this thing, and I never hear any. I never. 
I, I have heard people talk about Freedom Fighters in a kind of an underrated context, but I never hear anybody talk about the multiplayer, and that saddens me so much. Yeah, the, huh. thing, the thing about Freedom Fighters that I still don't understand is that I swear it did squad-based uh, direction so well, and it's almost like it's never been done that well in any other game with squad mechanics I've played, which is weird because the game's pretty old now. Yeah. Like, but, you know, there's some newer games that have squad squad mechanics that just don't work. And I'm like, why don't you work? There's a functioning example here of, of a great a great game with functional squad mechanics that are well executed. Why <laughs> can't people But I guess it's that's one of those things, it's it's the the programming's difficult with that, and that's the part that trips trips up death. I don't even think the programming is the difficult part. I just think the raw design is yeah. Because if you have a game with squad mechanics, you really need to figure out the correct balance between your, the squad doing too much versus not enough. Having to do just having it be just right. Because if you make the squad do too much, I've heard um, Ghost Recon Wildlands has this problem where the squad will just clear out all the encounters for you. You rarely play the game. Or if you have the squad not do enough, then why do you put it in the game? Yeah. Like like so like a lot of times the AI like people you have running around with you in something like a Gears of War feel like they're not doing anything. Yeah. A lot of the time. So it's it's a it's a I think it's more of a difficult balance to solve that than a programming. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay, headache. I see what you're saying. I've definitely played Ghost Recon and experienced exactly what you were talking about where I was like, <laughs> this encounter is difficult. Squad mates descend and the the, the mission would be over. Yeah, so um, any, any other examples of uh, uh, games you feel are underrated? I mean, there's definitely some indie games that I love, uh, That, but I, I, I think it's not that they're underrated, it's just that no one knows about them. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, I still love to hear, hear would, at least the titles, maybe not going be, so in deep. That could depth, be, but. yeah, actually, wouldn't mind, that could be a good future episode. But okay. Like, uh, let's go. Actually, a couple, just to rattle off a couple titles, uh, Lyle and Cube Sector. Never heard of it. It's great. It's it's really good. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a Metroidvania-ish. <laughs> Sean just brought up a game on, on Steam, and uh, that game's awesome. Oh, Defcon is amazing. I love Defcon. I, I just want... Does Defcon have a screensaver mode? That's what, that's mostly what I want from Defcon. <laughs> I think it actually does. Okay, I, probably, um, I might go buy it. One of the most <laughs> astounding that. things that I found about Defcon is that... The uh, when I was first learning how to play DefCon, I went to their official game guide, which is an actual instruction booklet on how to survive a nuclear strike. <laughs> <laughs> they went all out. Not only did they teach you how to play the game, but they had actual tips about how to survive an actual nuclear strike. That's the, hilarious. The most I've done with DefCon is I've watched a couple like videos of people playing it, um, which. Because of just how the game works, we're kind of just more like podcasts with a with a cool visual thing in the background. Actually, Especially depending on the <laughs> game speed that they're playing it, you they were playing on fucking slow. Yeah, well, yeah, because because DefCon has like real time mode. They have is, work mode. Yeah, <laughs> they were playing that slow, but it was still like pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, work mode lasts exactly six hours and is in real time. Yeah. And uh, has a keyboard shortcut to uh, <laughs> yeah. to clip to desktop. Um, I, yeah, I would definitely put DefCon right there on the list. 
I th- I actually think it might be worthy of a valid future playthrough for us for our group here. Oh my god! All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's my two cents. Yeah, Defcon's Defcon's good. I'm yeah, not sure. I don't think Defcon. Well, let's think about more content ideas that involve us playing an extremely slow game and <laughs> and wonder and wondering if we should put up the video without cutting out the dead air. You know what is the other interesting mode that seemed entertaining to me is their what I'll call shotgun mode, which is where the game takes place over 15 minutes and you have barely any time to think about anything and things happen way too fast and that sounds pretty great to me too. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, DefCon's definitely a great game. I think it's it's just maybe people don't talk about it as much because it's a bit older now, uh, and it's it's definitely it's 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 out there. Yeah, it's a, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a bit weird, I suppose. It's not a game that you can put in front of somebody and say, "Play this," and I think maybe ten percent of the time you might get the person on the other end saying it was a fun experience at best. And maybe 20% of the time, they'll tell you that it was a profound experience for them. I mean, one of the things about DEF CON is that, uh, I, I can't remember if we've talked about this, but in terms of strategy games, every single strategy game whether that, that has custom map creation, whether it's an RTS, turn-based strategy, multiplayer, uh, anything with a campaign editor, anything whatsoever that has map editing, you, I guarantee you, some someone somewhere is going to make a map of the Earth in your game to compete on, and it will be a terrible map, because as it turns out, um, you know, just a territorial map of Earth is actually just a, it's a very unbalanced uh, map to play almost any strategy game on. Just like real life. <laughs> yeah, but DefCon, you know, as a game simulating. Uh, nuclear war on the earth you can only play on a map of the earth (laughs) and so it is structurally locked in to uh, a terrible uh, terrible strategic map that is not necessarily a good design uh, for balance or fun but it works it works works and that's the game and DEFCON's I mean that's part of the joy of DEFCON also I think you usually, at least when I played, randomize who get who gets what countries. Yeah. Any other underrated games? That's that's it for me. I'm sure there's many that I can think of. All right. This time. So the last, all right, the last thing we brought up was guilty pleasures. Now this is, you know, an overrated game is a game that people love but isn't great. An underrated game is that a game that's great that people don't necessarily know about. A guilty pleasure is a game that you know when you're playing it has some flaws, maybe even some critical flaws, but you still enjoy it for one reason or another, despite itself. And for me, one of the things that emphasizes this the most is shitty mobile gotcha games. <laughs> I. I love the gotcha mechanic, and it's a real shame that every single game that has this mechanic does is done in a way to try and print themselves money. Now, for the uninitiated, a gotcha mechanic is where you basically roll a die to get some kind of content. Usually a character, or maybe like a skill or equipment that you can equip. Basically, it's complete random chance stuff. 
think of it like a loot system in a real, quote-unquote, real video game, but, you know, maybe you want to pay for it, like loot boxes. And I, I, I love gambling where I don't I mean, win real money. I mean, if I, if I wasn't raised in a way that made me think, oh god, I never want to spend any money ever, I would probably have a horrible gambling problem. I play so much goddamn Magic the Gathering. I like these mobile games. I love Random Chance. And, yeah. And a lot of these gacha games, like, also appeal to another side of me, which is I really like the the theory behind, like, team composition. Like, getting all these different characters with all these different abilities and mixing and matching them in ways that can overcome an obstacle. Now... That's that's really fun to me, but so many of these gacha games, like, you know, I play them, I bounce off of them because, you know, they're they're so paid when you need to, you need to spend money to acquire, um, a fast and powerful set of characters to actually do this in. Like, I've tried Raid's Shadow Legends, you know, that <laughs> game that every fucking every fucking every... YouTuber and Twitch person is being paid to. Try and pedal to people. I, That's I, a pretty shitty game. I didn't... I wasn't even sure if it was a real game. I've only... It's not a game. It's just ads, right? It's... Fuck, man. Yeah. Like... It's... It's... It's already a problem that everybody... Everybody was advertising it to people in the first place. But then you get into the game and it's constantly popping up like... Special offer. Pay to get this shit. That doesn't matter. And... Yeah, so... Uh, there's three games that I've, mobile games that I've sunk a fair amount of time into, and that's uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, uh, uh, I like on the name, uh, Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, Exvius, or something, War of the whatever the hell. It's basically, they made a Final Fantasy Tactics gotcha game. Oh my god. What? Yeah. And it's terrible. And it eats me up inside. And the current one I'm playing is AFK Arena, and that was actually not that bad. Uh, it's still, because it's more laid back, it's basically like you're not meant to storm through it, you're meant to slowly gain resources, and you pay money. Obviously, you can pay money to speed that up, but you can just slowly gain stuff, and it's fine. So, yeah, uh, one of the main problems with these games is power creep, and, you know, if you're trying to make people spend money on your game, Clearly, the new stuff that you release has to be better than the old stuff. This was the main problem with Fire Emblem Heroes. I played that game for like three years straight. You know, checking in on it every day, doing dailies, summoning new characters. I sort of loved the Fire Emblem franchise, uh, so that was super cool, but eventually it got to the point where every new review that released was so much better than the old stuff that it became, it became so transparent that it the, the power creep became so transparent that it just wasn't fun anymore. Final Fantasy Tactics game was so blatantly paid to A, pay to win, and B, FOMO, to where there was so much limited stuff that it was crap. And, yeah, but I still, you know, I still enjoy playing these games. I still love rolling and seeing what I get. And yeah. Every time I start a, a new one, it's a, it's a pretty fresh experience for a little bit, to where I don't know what I'm gonna get. I'm Discovering the mechanics, discovering cool team comps, run into some dumb barrier, and then quit and move on to the next one. 
So that's definitely like a, a an entire class of guilty pleasure games for me. I, I know I know the, uh, the two of you actually have good taste, so I don't know if you guys got any guilty um, pleasure games, but I'd right, love well, to hear it. There's, there's, there's a few games I can think of over the years I've played that were bad games that for some reason I kept going back to. Um, one of those games was an N64 game called Buck Bumble. Oh my god! Hell yeah, Buck Bumble. Now... Buck Bumble's a shit game. Buck <laughs> Bumble's a terrible game. But the theme song this, the, the theme, is so good. The theme song is still stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, like, I, and fuck, I don't know why I kept playing the game. It was, like, the controls were bad. The draw distance was bad. The it was an N64 game. Of course the draw distance was bad. It was bad even for N64. <laughs> the, the textures were... Mm. Non-existent. It just had graphic. It had graphical problems constantly. I swear. Sean, you need to look up and listen to the Buck Bumble theme song. All right. Yeah. So we, we need we need a reaction right here. Buck Bumble theme song. Here we go. First, an ad. I'm gonna need the ad. Is it for honey? <laughs> no. Banking. Wow. It's just this like it's just like like London grime artiste like crazy shit. It's so good. Yeah. You've heard of drum and bass, what about drum and bees? Drum and bees. I'm, I'm digging it. That is so it's cool. Nonsense, I love it. Yeah, it's got a it yeah. It's got a nonsense but like very catchy main theme. Um and yeah, the, the the game itself is like this kind of weird flying action shooter thing. You fly around, you're a bee. It's not good. It, like I said, it's a bad game. But I played it so many. I played it so much for some reason. Uh, could be that theme. Cool. Um, another game I played a weird. Another game I played a weirdly lot a lot of uh, Frogger. Um, okay. Not not the Frogger you're thinking of. Oh no. The 3D Frogger. Oh no. Oh god. <laughs> Again. It's a bad game. It's not it's not good. It, it the controls are weird. Uh it's it's buggy. You'll just die sometimes for no reason because the the collision, the hit detection is awful. It, it was just poorly made. Um, and it's also, like, not even, I don't know, it's just weirdly not fun. So why did I play it, you ask? I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a lot of weird, like, 3D versions of older games that, uh, like, Hasbro in yeah. particular was making. Like, they also made a 3D centipede game. Which also was not a particular... It was also not a good game. It was also a bad... It, it, yeah. Played a few of those. So yeah. Uh, yeah, weird Hasbro games that were 3D interpretations of some more classic 2D arcade games. Uh, that was a... It's, we, they made a lot of them, weirdly. Uh, but they were pretty much all terrible. Yeah. Um, I played too many of them. <laughs> Uh, you can't have fun with anything, folks. That's the lesson here. Yeah. 
You can even have fun with yourself if you try hard enough. <laughs> so for me, guilty pleasure games, there's... You know what? I will say that a lot of the games that I classify as guilty pleasures, I would actually not say are bad. They're just bad for me in the sense that... Um, <laughs> They engage that part of my brain that wants to beat the system, but the system requires uh, an incredible time sink of uh, developing skills in. One of those guilty pleasures for me would definitely be Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can sink a lot of time and energy and money into getting better at magic, and I will plod along at a what feels like a snail's pace at slowly getting better at it, um, all the while watching my time, energy, and money uh, flying out of my wallet, mind, and soul. Um, <laughs> now, I genuinely enjoy this, and so it very much is a guilty pleasure, because often I'll look at the time and go, oh my god, or I'll look at uh, my spending habits and go, oh my god, or uh, I will feel like throwing my keyboard around and go, oh my fucking god, and yet I come back to this game all the time and go, and I just want more. Yeah, it's <laughs> Magic's one of the most addicting games ever made, and um, it is it is definitely a problem. I've also had instances where I'm like, I need to stop for a bit. Yes, but the, here's the thing: it's always I need to stop for a bit. It's never I need to stop for good because I always want to come back to it. <laughs> now you've heard me talk plenty of awesome things about this game, but I will definitely say it's also on my guilty pleasures list: is Noita and games like it. Uh, where it's completely open world, the objective, the beating the game is obtusely hard. Um, and the thing that I enjoy most about Noita is the spectacular deaths that I have and not actually trying to beat it. However, I find that it's, it's uh, the instant gratification of starting again um, is like, you know, when you hear about those hamsters, you know, pushing the button for more treats until uh, the treat machine runs out or their hamstery yep. little fingers go numb to the bone. Skinner box. Skinner yes. box. Noida is definitely my Skinner box. I will happily die a thousand deaths just to uh, see the extraordinary ways that I die, and yet I am dissatisfied because I have not beat the game yet, which is like some sort of Sisyphean task, uh, <laughs> in which <laughs> getting run over by the boulder that you're rolling up the hill seems to be uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the most horrifying and yet most pleasurable part of the journey. Um... However, every time I play that game, I learn something about the physics uh, or um, just general survival tactics that makes me a little bit better at the game, and uh, that progress makes me uh, truly believe that one day I'll finally beat it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would definitely put Noida in my guilty pleasures list. Uh, countless hours of sleep have been lost to it. Um, and, uh, I can imagine many more. I'm just very happy that it's not a paid DLC game mm -hmm. uh, or uh, paid of imagine, any kind. Imagine if you had to throw in a buck every time you wanted to start a run. If, if Noida was an arcade game, I have a feeling that uh, oh, the yeah. coffers oh, would be overflowing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, putting That's a roguelike in an arcade would be actually... That's genius. Like, that would be genius. Yeah. Um, it's funny. So, yeah, by, so you're using a bit of a different different definition of guilty pleasure here. I think by that definition, uh, Civ, Civilization would probably fit. I, 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 will, waste, I will waste. We're, I had to stop we need to We need to save the Civ talk for yeah. another time. Civ is its own feature. We've all been there. Just like Civ itself, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Yeah. I, I think XCOM might even fit into that one mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh my god. For my, a future cast. I might be off. I, I'll, I start playing XCOM again, I might be off XCOM. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I had some bad times. Talk about some other time. <laughs> it was that bad. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, there's a couple more Guilty Pleasure games that I have. Um, one of which is... Guilty... I'll call it Guilty by Association. And its association is... It's a NES game. So... It's gonna have. It's gonna be rough, but uh, Faxanadu. I played so much of this game as a kid, and I and the nostalgia still hits me when I go back to it. Despite the fact that it's fucking hard as balls and obscure as hell, it doesn't make any sense. But it's still like got a couple really neat ideas to it. Uh, and actually, I, I want I want to make a video and show you to this game because I don't think you either of you've heard of it. Cool. All right. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. And the biggest guilty pleasure game for me is Final Fantasy Thirteen. <laughs> I fully realize that this game is not a good game. The pacing is abysmal. The story is stupid. The character progression is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a line. You can hit you with. You can go off the line at certain points, but you're just it's just one note and then you're back on the line. And there's like weapon upgrades that don't barely matter. I mean they matter for your stats, I suppose, but it, how you upgrade them doesn't. And it's it's got so many huge problems with it. And I totally understand why people say that it's one it's like the worst Final Fantasy or whatever. But I still finished that game. <laughs> and I have not finished other even other Final Fantasy games that I think are better. Like I haven't finished Final Fantasy Nine. That's definitely a better game than Thirteen. But Thirteen has a couple things going for it. A Lightning is maybe one of my favorite Final Fantasy characters in the entire series. A lot of people don't like her, but I like the fact that she is just over it. She is so done with everything that's happening. And having that kind of just, like, almost realist perspective in a fucking Final Fantasy game is mind-blowing. Like, that's not something that you see in any of the other games, and I thought that it was awesome. Uh, number two is the combat. I thought the combat in the game was really fun, even though it was incredibly mindless and I, I prefer the term streamlined to where you are controlling a single character instead of a party you are not selecting your moves from a you know big grid of turn big menus of turn-based stuff instead you're just mashing x that's all you do just mash x <laughs> and it auto battles for you and the only other thing that you do is use items at when things get rough uh, use a couple special abilities in, again, when things get rough, and switch your party's roles. It's a very interesting take on turn-based battling, because a lot of the time, like, I play a ton of RPGs, I'm not going to kid myself, turn-based combat, turn-based menu-based combat is, a lot of the times, fucking stupid. Because all you're doing is figuring out the opponent's weakness, and then going to the menu option that exploits it. So the fact that it does it automatically for you, like after like after you fight an enemy enough times, or if you specifically choose specific things to try them out, or you use a skill that reveals enemies' weaknesses, it'll just do all that for you. 
it streamlines it in a way that it just cuts out the busy work. Because guess what? If you're going in an area and you're going to fight the same enemy 10 different times in that area, you're going to figure it out after the first couple fights and then just do the same thing over and over again for the rest, right? So I think that it's actually streamlined and cool. And the third thing that I love about it is it's, it's a spectacle game, first and foremost, is that, and that's why the battles being super streamlined helps, because it gives you the opportunity to watch these battles and all the crazy effects that are happening, and all the crazy jumping around, and sword slashes, and all that stuff. It's just cool to look at. And the cutscenes, as is standard with, you know, Square, these Square RPGs are absolutely gorgeous. And it's one, it's one of, like, the very few games that I looked at and thought, wow, graphics. To where, like, this is, you know, an accomplishment above anything I've seen before. So... It's weird for me being such a gameplay-focused person to mostly love a game because of its graphics, but Final Fantasy XIII is, is that for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts, concerns, ideas, jokes? You know what's funny, One jokes. The way you were just <laughs> talking about like, the auto-battler making it so you're just doing the same thing over and over, it just made me think of RuneScape. <laughs> yep. Or gonna, Loop Hero. <laughs> I'm going to chop a tree for hours, just get my wood chopping skill oh up, God, and that's not going to do anything for me. <laughs> it'll help you chop the trees down faster. It, it, it'll, it'll make it so I'm able to chop down like these special trees that are in an area that I'll never see because I'm not a subscriber. Yeah, RuneScape is... Uh, <laughs> I Looking back, I can't believe I spent any time at all in RuneScape. Cause I'll call is, RuneScape an overrated game. I don't give a fuck. It's... It's a it's 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 the worst MMO I've ever played. Not the, that I've played the a lot developers of stuff. were even trying not to warn you MMOs, about their game. <laughs> they named their game Run Escape. That, 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 when I first discovered RuneScape was in the was at the fucking George Mackey Library when I saw a couple people playing it. I saw I was saw the same thing was happening on both their screens. They were moving around the same place, and it was the first example of a multi player online game I've ever seen. And it was in a browser! Yeah, so that blew my goddamn mind. So I would constantly ask to go to the library to, you know, play that and Neopets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Neopets. Yeah. But yeah, and, and when yes. I discovered RuneScape, I would you tell can't... people about it, like, oh, what's it called? RuneScape. Just remember, run, escape. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. And later, O-Game. Oh, fuck. Yeah, all, all, oh, no. these, all these browser-based oh, no. games are basically the pleasures <laughs> uh, I yes. can't think of any browser-based game I've played. Well, okay, maybe some Flash games, but a lot of these browser-based games that you pay money for are actually just bad. <laughs> browser-based games that are free, those can be good. Oh, yeah. Perhaps. But we'll we'll browse that topic another day. Yeah, as, as for today, I think... Uh, difficult to browse with Flash Player being gone and all. Rip. We loved you so... Ted killed by security violations. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this, uh, this uh, foray of this hot the, episode. This hot These episode. hot takes. Yeah. Uh, as, as always, um, leave a comment at angrysunzone at outlook.com. Uh, 
I'd love to re- read some emails from people about their overrated, underrated games, and if they agree or disagree with, with what we got, instead of the constant barrage of spam mail that that account gets. Oh, yeah. dear lord. Uh, if you would prefer, uh, we're also on Twitter. We have a Twitter account. You can tweet your angry comments at us about how you love Oblivion, and Oblivion's a favorite game ever, and how dare you talk talk down about uh, any Bethesda game, because Bethesda's amazing. Yeah. At Angry Sunzo on Twitter, like think of it, think about this. Where in on the internet are you going to find people asking to hear your your hot your hot takes on how we suck and 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 and, and how you think we're wrong? We do. We want to hear that shit. I will talk about it. You can become famous. Yeah, we'll totally read that shit on the air. We'll immortalize you. Yeah, and uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Angry Sun Zone. I believe I like it. I believe it has content now. Yes, we finally put up a video. We put up our uh, reaction to the Nintendo E3 Direct. So yes, the have... reason the reason why we didn't talk about any of that is because we talked about it there. So go yeah. watch our multimedia strategy. Yeah, uh, we have more videos in the pipeline that may or may not be released. Yeah, you'll th- find out by subscribing to YouTube. Yeah, ring the bell. Don't ring the bell. You don't need more notifications in your life. Or subscribe just to this. That's good. Too. Oh yeah, so, uh, subscribe is fine. Just subscribe to anything with our name on it. You'll be good. Yeah. And as always. You messed it up. Oh, man, are you going to start playing the freaking Buck Bumble theme song? Oh. With air horns over it? Oh, yes. Buck Bumble Trap Remix. Hold it up now, it's time to rock with the Biggie the Buck Bumble. Hold it up now, it's time to rock with the Biggie the Buck Ha, 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 ha.